all I did was buy this stupid, silly billboard. Welcome to Marketing Unfucked, the only podcast that helps you unfuck your marketing by hosting conversations with all the badasses in the industry. We are your hosts, Siobhan and Russell, and today we are joined by Mark Wolf, where we talk about billboards, Christmas trees, and how you always need a problem. Let's do this. But yeah, I'm actually looking forward to today's, today's conversation because I was reading your LinkedIn, Mark, and then I was reading your Twitter profiles, and then okay. obviously I came yeah. across the billboard. Yeah. And... Like you've done everything from novelty socks to billboards to doing, you're launching your own course. So I have a feeling we're going to touch on everything, but I first wanted to ask you, is the billboard still there? No, thankfully not. So I put it up in February, 2020, and I only paid for two weeks, but then the pandemic kind of like started to take effect in the UK and we were all kind of in lockdown in kind of March, 2020, I think it was. And I didn't know. I just thought that, you know, I paid for two weeks and I thought the billboard would, you know, would, would be gone. And then I'm getting messages in August 2020, which is like, my math isn't good. So is it like seven months later or something? People messaging saying it's, you know, it's still up. I can still see it. And I'm guessing people must have just paused their marketing because of the pandemic. So um, I don't know. I, I'm going to take that as a win. I paid for two weeks and I got seven months. So I really got, you know, my money's worth in, in that respect. What was your whole fun goal joke behind it all? So I had this idea, I think, I think I was in the pub with my friend Josh and I had the idea, you know, like we were both kind of, he wouldn't like me for saying this, but we were both kind of struggling kind of dating wise. And then I just said, you know, at this point, at this rate, I might as well just, you know, put myself on a billboard and, you know, we just laughed about it for a bit. And then I was like, what if I kind of, you know, maybe just did do that. So I held on to the idea for a little bit. And then did it just before Valentine's. I thought that would be a good time to to do it in terms of kind of like getting coverage and and you know attention onto it. And I'm not I'm not kind of stupid. I knew it would get kind of you know some coverage, but it just blew up in a way that I just totally didn't expect. And I was really, to be honest with you, was not really ready for. So it was an interesting experience. Like looking back on it now, it almost feels like. It almost feels like a dream and almost like I didn't do it. But yeah, it was just a, a whirlwind kind of experience then. Like so much weird stuff happening. Like, well, can we split them out into two sections, Mark? One is the professional section, which is yeah. from a PR angle, yeah. which I know some of the viewership and, and, and listeners would be wanting to know. And then also from the personal angle. So can you do the professional first? I mean, yeah, from the professional angle, it was great because all I did was buy this stupid, silly billboard. And now everyone thinks I'm amazing at PR, which is great for me. From like, you know, from my like personal branding point of view, it's like, oh, that guy knows PR. And all I really did was just, yeah, buy a billboard, which anyone could kind of do. But I think I kind of came out of it like with, uh, you know, it, it worked quite well for me. Like I had many people like applied to date me. I made like a tiny bit of money out of it. Not much, but you know, it kind of paid for itself. And then it just made me look like I was good at marketing. And I guess, yeah, all those things, like, you know, great. Did you have to proactively do other activities? Because I know you got interviewed on TV shows. You did. You got a lot of other links. Was there any proactiveness or did they all reach out and then you had to manage that process? I had a, a press release ready and I sent it to one journalist who was in hospital at the time. So she didn't even manage to, you know, kind of cover it. And it all just, I didn't even send a press release in the end to, to anyone else. It just all came off the back of just one tweet. But I did a tweet 
few retweets later next thing i know i'm getting like i think like two minutes later i got an application and i was like what the hell i mean i'd get a few applications which were like from my friends or joke ones i think russell i'm pretty sure I you mind, yes. quite early on <laughs> as a joke i'm hoping well i'm thinking it was a joke maybe it's not but then i started I getting take serious it personally don't worry <laughs> Then I started getting serious ones. I remember sitting in the office and I was just like, this one actually looks real. They're just a flood of them coming in. And then the next thing, you know, I had the BBC in touch and then it just kind of, once it's kind of on the BBC, it, it, these types of stories just go global. I didn't really realize it at the time, but yeah, it just, you know, everyone's, a lot of um, people who work in, in that industry are kind of looking at the BBC and then translating that into to the local languages or whatever. And it just, yeah, it just kind of went insane. But then, like, you had this whole billboard thing, which, you know, put you on a map in, a, in some way. But this is not the first time you've kind of just done things. You know, you said you've done novelty sock. Well, I'll say one pair of socks, maybe. Then you've done this yeah. Twitter bot that pays for your Uber rides and with, yeah. you know, the codes. And, and now you've got a course and you've got the Christmas trees. It's like, how do you come up with all these ideas? It's just It just seems like you just have these ideas and jump on them and go which, you know, is kind of proving everyone else wrong that sits and wants to strategize on everything and build everything so perfectly. So I think there's a couple things going on. I think if there's just like something fun or stupid that I see that I want to do, I'll just try and do it. And so I think it kind of comes from that. And then I kind of overdid it a little bit on the dumb, stupid ideas, which often, you know, from a financial point of view, really don't kind of make that much money if I'm being perfectly honest with you. So I was just trying, basically, I think the rule is this, the more fun something is, you know, the financially, the less rewarding it is. But if it's fun, I don't care so much. Like I still want to do it, like, you know, forget about the money. But then I, at one point I was like, okay, I actually need to do some stuff that kind of maybe does make some money. And I just wanted to do, so I have a Christmas tree business. So christmastrees.co.uk. And that was kind of the middle ground for me because it's like a nice, fun product that, you know, that I really enjoy marketing and it can bring in some money as well. So no, I think a lot of the ideas probably just come from problems maybe that, that I've had, like n- nothing kind of uh, serious, but like, oh, I couldn't struggle with dates. Oh, I'll do something outrageous and put up a billboard or what other ideas were there? Oh, like I want to get more like free Uber rides. And I was like, I wonder if anyone on Twitter has... um you know, also needs a free Uber ride. And I guess just for a bit of background, at the time when Uber was first coming out, if you invited a friend to it, you would get a £10 free ride and they would as well. And I was thinking there's probably lots of people that want to sign up and get this free ride. I bet some of them are asking on Twitter and some people were tweeting like, you know, does anyone have a free Uber code or whatever? So I got this guy in Kazakhstan to make this bot that would automatically respond with my referral code. So it'd be like, hey, yeah, use my code every time someone tweeted something along those lines. And yeah, it worked for it worked quite well for a while. I, I think I got like £2,000 worth of free Uber rides, which was really nice. And then suddenly one day it started to stop working. And I was like, what's going on here? Like the bot's still working. Why is it, you know, it's still responding. No one's signing up. And turns out someone had thought like of an even better bot. So they were responding to my bot that had just tweeted this person with the, with the code saying, oh, that code doesn't work. Here's my code. So this bot someone else had made was basically then stealing, I say stealing, but yeah, they were stealing like my kind of, you know, commission that I saw it as. So, so yeah, that, that was kind of just, just one that wasn't really so much a fun one. I think it's maybe kind of a nice story, but I just purely just wanted free Uber rides, to be honest with you. And it was nice while it lasted. 
Let's. You mentioned Christmas trees, and this is our de facto Christmas episode, even though yeah. we're recording it quite in advance of Christmas. But let's talk about that. So, how did it come about in the first place? What was the? Was there a challenge getting a domain? Which which came first? And then yeah. let's go through the challenges that you're facing now, because I know that you you did a bit of a Twitter thread about that uh, yesterday. Okay, so. To start with, I already had a business with someone else that sold personalized letters from Santa. So I already had kind of a seasonal seasonal business there. And then around that time, I think it was in Christmas 2019, I was looking on a domain for it for him, sorry, domain auction website, and I saw Christmastrees.co.uk come up for sale. And I was like, I really like that domain. If it doesn't get up too high, you know, I will try and get it. And I can't remember how much I paid for it in the end. I think it was maybe £1,400 for christmastrees.co.uk, which may sound expensive to to some people, but actually in terms of the value of that domain, I think it's worth significantly more than that. And I've seen in the past that it's sold for £5,000. So I managed to get it, use some of the profits that I made from the Santa Letter website to kind of do that. And I thought, I'm just going to keep one in my back pocket and then hopefully maybe do something with that one day. And then maybe, you know, not so long after that, the, the pandemic kind of comes along and I'm thinking there might be an opportunity here. And it was very early on, you know, we weren't really sure if we're going to have a, you know, it's just a first wave or it would come and go or what would kind of happen. And I just thought I looked at kind of the history and I thought that, you know, with pandemics, there does tend to be waves. So we had a lockdown and then that lockdown went away. and then the kind of the timing of it, fortunately for me in a way, but we, we kind of had a lockdown and people still wanted real Christmas trees. So in terms of a Christmas tree delivery business, it worked quite well. In fact, in some ways it worked too well because my my supplier ran out of trees, I, I remember before I even hit December. It was just crazy. And yeah, it's, a, it's a, actually quite a challenging business because I've made it really hard for myself because... Christmas trees, like I'm selling real Christmas trees. They're just, you know, they're a natural, like living product. And they're perishable as well. You know, they're gonna um they're gonna expire. You can't just like hold them in a warehouse for for ages and be like, oh, I didn't sell that many this year. I will just hold that for, for next year. And it's just, you know, they're just such a big, bulky item to post. And they're not all standardized. So sometimes customers kind of complain a little bit. Some of the complaints I get, you know, they're, they're valid, but some are kind of a little bit ridiculous in my opinion. I think I had someone last year buy like a seven foot or eight foot tree and they measured it and it was like one inch shorter than they bought it for. And I was just like, come on, like, you know, you're being serious. So yeah, there, there's all sorts of challenges with that. It's it's also a product that I put on the the website that, you know, you can get it ordered for a certain day. And I now have that as a preferred delivery day because we can't always guarantee that it will arrive on that day. Most of the time it does, but there's a chance that it might arrive like the day after or something. And it's one of those products where, I don't know, if you buy literally anything else online, if it comes early or late, you know, you don't really care so much. But because a Christmas tree is so special, some people like, you know, kind of understandably really get a bit annoyed if it doesn't turn up on the exact day that they wanted it. So yeah, there's there's kind of lots of challenges around it. Sometimes I think, it had just been easier to do like artificial trees and everything you know like artificial decorations and everything like that but I think I know I I really and I really want to do it so that I'm doing real trees and um, real wreaths and you know natural products 
who knows, I may add some artificial products in the future, but for now, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just sticking with that. And then on Twitter, you were mentioning that you're noticing this year that your paid media strategy is not working out the way you want it to and um, that you think SEO still has an impact, but you're not sure. So talk us a bit through that. What's changed this year versus, let's say, last year? Yeah, so basically everyone's skin now is the main thing. So I'll be honest, my trees aren't cheap. They're, they're luxury Christmas trees because uh, I didn't know this until I started doing this, but when you have Christmas trees out on the on the farm, they basically get graded from like, uh, you know, I can't remember the exact grading is, but there's like a premium and then the standard. And then I think it's called field. And the premium ones basically have very few faults at all. Like they're almost perfect, basically, which are the trees I sell. So they're a little bit more expensive. And also delivery costs have gone up as well. So these are these are things that, you know, prices that I've had to basically pass on to the consumer. So my trees aren't cheap. And I think consumers are more price sensitive this year. And I I haven't really made that many changes to my website. So what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing is a lower conversion rate. Fortunately for me, I've been able to mitigate that a little bit because my traffic from SEO has increased. So I'm basically looking at my stats and I'm like, oh, great, SEO traffic up. But sales from that channel kind of pretty flat. Had I been doing the exact same as last year in terms of traffic, you know, I would have been in a, in a much worse situation. And after speaking to a few other people, just in e-commerce, but actually within the, you know, within the similar kind of industry that I'm in as well, I think it's something that people are seeing across the board. And what it's meant for me is in terms of like Google ad expenditure, so like paid ads, I'll be honest, like I'm not an expert at that type of thing, but I can kind of feel like I can kind of do a job. And last year, in terms of the cost of acquiring customer, it was just about working out for me. Like I could acquire a customer and basically like break even on, on that purchase. And, you know, with the idea, with a lot of e-commerce, you, you basically want to bring that customer in, even if it's like, a, you know, a, a break even with the hope that they'll make a repeat purchase in the future. And then you're going to basically profit off that there. But this year, very quickly, again, it's a tricky one with ads because the conversion rate fluctuates because if you do it too early, conversion rate is poor because you're not close enough to Christmas. And then if you do it later and closer to Christmas, the conversion rate is high or higher at least. And you may have missed out on potential sales. So the timing of that is really, you know, you kind of really need to get that right. But for me, it's just not costing in at the current conversion rates. And, you know, there's always opportunities to improve that on your website. But I think the, the and, and I think, you know, it's possible to do that. But I think the root cause of that is basically that people would just be more careful with their money. And understandably so, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, just the price of literally everything kind of just going up. Yeah, and you mentioned something there that I just want to deep dive into. You mentioned one of the reasons why you would be happy to break even year one, effectively, because you do have an incredibly seasonal offering, yeah. is that you would hope that they'd come back the next year. So does yeah. that mean that you've expanded into your retargeting pools, your CRM activities to try to re-engage those sort of thousands of happy customers from last Christmas? So, yeah, basically you know, I'm starting, this is my third Christmas doing it. And the first Christmas is hard because you have no existing customers. And the second Christmas, like, you know, you've got some customers from the year before, but most of them probably brought in the pandemic when they were unable to go out and, you know, and purchase a tree. So 
maybe they bought that first year, but maybe they're not so interested in buying that second year because, you know, they can go to the garden center or wherever it is to kind of make that purchase. This year, I feel like I'm starting to see, you know, some of the rewards of having built up, you know, uh, acquired customers from the Christmas one and Christmas two. And that's really kind of helped the the situation in terms of, you know, having that lower conversion rate because I've already acquired these customers. There's no cost in terms of, or if there is a cost, it's a very small cost in terms of remarketing to them to get them to, to purchase again. And so, yeah, that combined with the increase in kind of organic traffic has, has really helped me out actually uh, this year. So I wanted to touch back on something you said in the beginning. So, you, you know, you've created most of your ideas from billboards to socks to Uber uh, tweets based off of a problem you saw, even if it was just a problem for yourself, right? The yeah. Christmas trees didn't seem to work out that way. It just seemed like you found a domain and it happened to be a problem that was worthwhile because of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I mean, I already had a seasonal business at the time and I thought that, and I, I was already kind of looking out for maybe something else that I would like to do kind of one day. And you know what? Seasonal businesses are really challenging, but it's something that, you know, I like I like Christmas and I remember when I was younger we as a kid we bought like a, a real Christmas tree and I thought that one day I would like to have you know my own Christmas tree farm and kind of do all that kind of kind of stuff it turns out actually it's really hard to do there's a lot more work involved than, than I thought and actually you need a lot of capital to do it as well so I guess this is kind of like my way of getting exposure to kind of that and you know being able to do it and I think it's a really it's, a, it's just a really hard business, to be honest with you. I wouldn't, if anyone wants to make a lot of money, I probably would advise them not to do this. But it's something that, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's something that I enjoy and it, it can bring in money as well. So, you know, I'd I like to do it. And you're right, it started off with the domain there. But yeah, I liked it. I, I saw christmastrees.co.uk come up and I, I couldn't say no to it. I couldn't pass on it. I'm, I really like a good domain name, basically. So then is what problem did you see to get to your next business, the digital PR course that you are offering? Yeah. So, so yeah, I've launched a digital PR course, you know, really super creative name I've got for that is digitalprcourse.com. With that one. Likes would, the domain. Yeah, I like, I like a good domain. Yeah. With that one, I don't know. I was just getting asked to do some some training for kind of agencies and and I was kind of helping some uh, some agencies out with that. And to be honest with you, I just thought, why is there not like a, you know, a digital product out there that can kind of do it? And why has no one, you know, why has no one done it? Like, it seemed like a really obvious and easy thing to do. And I was kind of wrong. Like, actually, it was really hard to do, especially the hardest bit of it with the digital PR stuff is like how you teach someone else to basically come up with ideas. And I think that was the section that I probably spent the longest on it. So and it's incredible as well. I spent like, I did one section of the course, like maybe this module and to watch it, it only takes half an hour, but it took me so long just to create that 30 minutes worth just there. So I think from that, I just thought, you know, I, I would like to, rather than just helping people out practically, which I still do, I, I would just create this course and I could just be like, hey, like, you know, the, you, you'll probably find this useful. And then after you've done it, if you still, still need help, then, then I can maybe help you some more. But I think if you do this, you're going to you're going to understand it all and, you know, at least get the, the basics and basically be able to go out there and build your your own links. Because I think I've just tried to condense a lot of the material that I've learned over the years into just, you know, a short time frame. And yeah, that's basically how it kind of came about. And um, what's the next steps on that? Is it that you've sort of encapsulated 
the, that part of your knowledge into the course? Is there another course on the horizon? Is it expanding? What, what's, what's kind of next in that space? Actually, like, I'm still working on it. So I've got modules that are there that um, I'm, I'm launching a few more as well. And then for me, really, I think it, it would just be more a case, to be honest with you, of just getting the word out there a little bit more. But at the moment, I'm focusing on just trying to make it as good as it can be. I really want to provide, you know, I, I really want it to be something that people purchase. And I'm like, wow, this like totally, this is amazing. This is really good. And I, I can, you know, there's some real kind of key takeaways from it because like I said, I spent a lot of time doing the idea section and sometimes I find with the ideas, when I've seen other people kind of talk about it, they kind of just say things like, yeah, what you need to do is think outside the box or, you know, take a shower or, you know, go for a walk and you're going to have these ideas come to you. And sure, those things may be helpful, but then they're not kind of, they're not actionable. They're not like, oh, great. Like I'll, I'll have a shower. I'll go for a walk. And I just think outside the box and I'm going to have all these ideas kind of come to me. Like I really wanted to just yeah make something that was useful, basically. So, I mean, I don't believe in stupid questions, but as a clarifying question, and I'm in marketing, what yeah. exactly is digital PR? Because you're saying links, yeah. so you're saying digital PR, and I'm a bit confused. Okay, so the way I would basically describe it is that you've got PR, like traditional PR, which in, in my opinion basically involves putting out a piece of communication on behalf of a brand or whatever it, or whoever it may be with the aim of influencing the audience's thoughts, you know, uh, opinions and perception around that brand. Like what do we think of, you know, McDonald's or Coca-Cola or, or whoever it may be. But when you do that kind of activity, often you maybe won't get links from it. And I would say digital PR is kind of similar in the sense that you're putting out a piece of content or, you know, a piece of communication on behalf of a brand and with the aim of basically, with the goal of securing a, a link, really. And I guess with that link, then it's influencing how Google maybe feels about your website. Obviously, Google can't feel anything, but you see what I mean? It's building your trust and authority to your website. Where a traditional PR, I guess, is like the trust and authority from from people. That would basically be the way I would describe it. And if you do traditional PR, you can get links from it. And equally, if you do digital PR, you can get links. But sometimes they do some of the same things as each other. But I think they differ in terms of how you kind of go about it and and the goals as well, the the main goals. So for Christmas trees and for yeah. your course, what digital PR has worked that you've done, and yeah. what what hasn't? Ah, that's okay. So if I talk about my, I haven't really done much PR stuff for my for my course, aside from kind of tweeting it out a little bit. But for the Christmas tree one, I had a had an interesting one I did when I first, you know, on the first Christmas where I did a freedom of information request. And I found out from councils, you know, all around the country, how much they were spending on Christmas lights and decorations in the, you know, in the area. And I thought this is going to be a great campaign. You know, this is really interesting. I think it's going to pick up, you know, quite a few links. And I did it and I put it out. And it, by the way, freedom of information requests is such a ball ache to do. It took me probably so much time to do. And, you know, it, it worked, but I didn't get hardly anywhere near the amount of links that I expected it to. However, it was an interesting one because when I had a look at the, I didn't touch it after that. You know, I picked up a few links, I didn't touch it. But then I've noticed that last Christmas, 
And so a year after I did it, and also this Christmas as well, it's just been picking up links like naturally. So at the time, I thought it was like a bit of a fail because in terms of the the time I spent doing it, it wasn't that great. But in the long term, you know, it's kind of worked quite well. I think it just probably ranks for things like, you know, how much does the average council spend on Christmas lights or Christmas decorations or how much the average city spend or whatever. So I think uh, as an evergreen kind of content piece, maybe it's working quite well. And another one that I did that didn't work so well, or I thought it would work better for sure, was last year is myself and my girlfriend, we made uh, a space-saving Christmas tree that we basically cut up some, uh, or we got some foliage actually from a florist, and we kind of put it against the wall to like mark out the, you know, to, to make the shape of basically a Christmas tree. And it looked really nice, amazing pictures, looked really great and put it out there it got actually it did really well on twitter in terms of engagement and then i put it out and it it got like hardly any coverage or links and i think the reason for that is especially at this time of year with anything christmas related it's just really hard to kind of pick up links everyone is going for a christmas story so it's really it's hard to get that cut through and if i if you have a Christmas campaign, my kind of advice would basically be to go early, do it at the end of October even. And basically, I relaunched that campaign again this year, and it did manage to pick up a few more links, purely because I went early and there were maybe less Christmas stories kind of floating about, I guess. So I haven't had any like really bad failures in terms of that website, at least. So yeah, it kind of worked out okay. So there's a question we like to ask every one of our guests. I don't know how much you've prepared for this one, but we do like to ask you, how do you see that we can unfuck marketing? Now, that can be specific to PR or marketing in general. So how do you think we can? Okay, so it depends like what you mean by that question. So like, I had, I had a think and I thought like, if I could like wave a magic wand, I would probably bring, bring back, because I'm old enough to remember, in Google Analytics, if a visit came from like organic, you would be able to see what that word was. So I don't really know if that answers your question in terms of unfucking it, but I would really like to have have that back. If I was like Elon Musk and I had all the money in the world, basically, instead of buying Twitter, no, 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 forget about Twitter. I would just buy Google Analytics Universal and just keep that going because I know they're getting rid of that next year. I don't understand the new one. Like no one else does. It's a piece of shit. So like I would unfuck marketing by just basically like, you know, keeping that as it is. Or another thing which kind of comes into PR, actually, I think the way that journalism is monetized, you know, like it doesn't really help. Like, you know, a lot of the time stories and, you know, it's kind of helpful for me doing what I do. But a lot of the time stories are based on emotion and just and if you can get even if the story is false and the journalists know it's kind of false and it's clickbaity or whatever. They're going to put it out because they're going to be able to get, you know, coverage with it. They're going to get eyeballs on the website and that's how the website is monetized. Some publications, like I won't name any, but like Reach PLC, really hard to see any of their content because they're just plastered with ads. So if I was to unfuck marketing, I don't really know if that answers your question, but those would be the three things that I would like to maybe unfuck. It's the first one we've had three answers. Yeah. (laughs) it's really good because i didn't realize i could swear but now you said i'm fuck i I just kind of want to keep saying it it's the name of (laughs) it's the name of the the whole blog uh, the podcast (laughs) everything but but you've got like a little like asterisk uh uh like yeah but what are you gonna say say like you you have to say it yeah exactly (laughs) 
<laughs> I can just beep it out every time, but that's also not going to work. Yeah. yeah. So you behaved until now. Now, you know, in your wrap up, yeah. you can curse as much as you want now that you realize. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're going to call it now. This a uh, really interesting podcast. Thank you very much for, oh, for joining us, Mark. What we'll do is we'll link anything, all your websites that you would like us to link will be in the, in oh, the attachment. Brilliant. I'll send all 50 of them. Yeah, exactly. It will just be basically we're going to become an old school domain where you log in and it's just a bunch of links. Okay, amazing. <laughs> a directory website for 2023. But yeah, if there's anything, where can people find you online? Was the first question. Twitter.com forward slash I am Rofe, which is my And we will link that as well. That'll be one of the other links as well. So if you want to reach out to Mark and get in contact, or buy a Christmas tree on christmastrees.co.uk and or buy his PR course, which will also link. Um, you can go to his websites. Otherwise, it's only fans. And honestly, I don't have the physique for that. So, <laughs> But thank you very much for joining us. If you would like to listen to other episodes, you can go to Spotify, YouTube and all the other platforms where you can find the podcast or the videos themselves. And uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Cheers.